0: Again, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, that's a good morning to you guys, good morning to our Giddings Video Campus, and good morning to everybody else watching online. So each got your own personal good morning today. And uh, the reason I'm such a cheery, bubbly mood here is I'm about to get into your business this morning, okay? Yeah, that's a little disclaimer. I'm sorry. It's just the way the Word of God happens to translate into our lives today, so don't shoot the messenger, okay? <laughs> Please don't shoot me. Um, if it makes you feel any better, God's been getting up in my business this week as well. So here we go. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, i got to go to the bathroom, and shoom, I'm out of here. Now it's not that bad. All right, let me begin with this. Above anything else, above everything else in our lives, God wants to be number one and to have all of our heart. In fact, in the very first commandment, the first of the Ten Commandments, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You know, when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment of all? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, God wants all our heart, not just part of our heart. So if you're Satan, God's spiritual enemy, what would you do to try and hurt God? Well, you would try to take the hearts of the people away from the one true God and get them to worship and serve God. False gods, which is precisely what Satan has been doing throughout history. And when you put false gods into that place in your life, the number one place in your life that only belongs to the true God, that is called idolatry. And here's our key point for today false gods promise what only the true God provides. False gods will promise you what only the true God provides. For example, money is a pretty popular false god, right? And what does money do? Money promises you what only God can provide. Money says if you get enough money, you will be secure. But the truth is, once you get enough money, if someone says to you, you have cancer and you have 30 days to live, suddenly you realize it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't bring security. It's a false promise. Money says if you have enough money, you'll be happy in life. But the reality is, it doesn't matter how much money you have, if one day you lose one of your children, there's no amount of money that can buy you happiness in that moment. It's a false god, a false promise. It promises something it does not provide. Well, in Elijah's day, people were living idolatrous lives. Most of the people were. They were worshiping and they were serving false gods. In fact, if you missed last week, let me review to give you a little context going forward. Elijah was called by God to confront this evil king, Ahab, and his wicked wife, Jezebel. And King Ahab was actually the 19th consecutive evil king in Israel. Can you imagine that? Spanning 200 years. The Bible says that King Ahab did more evil in the eyes of God than any of the other kings before him. And the worst thing that he did, was he turned the hearts of the people away from the one true God and to false gods, the gods of Baal and Asherah. And just so you know, Baal was the sun god or the fire god. And Asherah was kind of like Baal's wife. And so the people of Israel, they're no longer serving the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Instead, they're worshiping and serving these false gods. And the false gods promised, if you serve me, I'll give you better crops. If you serve me, you'll have a better life. False God's promise, what only the true God provides. So God raises up Elijah to confront King Ahab. And he confronts the king and he basically says, because of your idolatry, God told me to tell you it's not going to rain in this land at all. Not until God tells me to pray and ask him to make it rain. So now, they're in the midst of this drought. People are dying all over the place. There's a famine across the land. This is like the worst thing you can imagine. And God calls Elijah away into a season of hiding and preparation. Why? Well, many reasons. But one biggie was the simple fact that King Ahab wanted Elijah dead. He instructed everybody, you find Elijah, kill him on the spot. And so God takes Elijah to a place called the Kirith Ravine where God is going to humble Elijah. God is going to turn him into a stronger man of God. And while he's there, God is supernaturally providing food for Elijah and water for Elijah. But he's also using that time of isolation and difficult circumstances to teach Elijah total dependence and unconditional obedience. Well, then God moves Elijah from the Kirith Ravine to a place called Zarephath, Where he meets this widow who's gonna provide food for Elijah with just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil that never, by God's miraculous hand, ran out. Well, then one day, the widow's son died mysteriously. And we see this man of faith take the boy upstairs, pray to God, call out to him and say, God, heal this boy. And God raised the boy back to life. Amazing. And so we saw that Elijah had developed into a man of God with tremendous faith. Now, when we left Elijah, he was still in hiding. But then one day, God's going to call Elijah out. And God says, Elijah, it's time to go back to King Ahab. It's time to confront him once again. And we'll pick up the story here. Okay, it's about three years into the drought. And in 1 Kings 18, we see him back together again. Here's what the Bible says. When he, Ahab, saw Elijah He said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? (laughs) Just so you know that the Hebrew word troubler there can also be translated as snake, viper, asp. Basically, the king's saying, is that you, you no good, low down snake you? Yeah, this is all happening because of you. All these people are dying, this huge drought. It's your fault, Elijah. And with that, Elijah says, no, I'm not taking that. Uh Uh-uh. He pops back at the king and says, no, no, no. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Elijah is saying, hey, buddy, you're the problem here. You're the one committing idolatry. You're the one putting false gods in the place of the one true God. Now, back in that day, people believed in and followed and worshipped many different gods. And typically, the way it worked is there would be a God over different regions or different gods that would be over different areas of life, different elements of life. So maybe you would have a God over the weather, a goddess of love, those kinds of things. And even though we as Christians today, we might not worship idols in the form of statues. Like, we might not worship gods who go by other names, but we can still be guilty of worshiping and serving false gods in our day. And I know most of the people that I know today, they're not worshiping a god named Baal or a god named Asherah. Instead, the false gods that we worship and serve today, they're much more socially acceptable, right? I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people worship the god of money and material possessions. You know, your house, your car. I mean, it could be your image, it could be your looks. Well, here we go again. Uh, what What do you think, guys? they're going to come with a different mic we now pause <laughs> Dylan's going to come sing a song for us here this is going to be really special test test 1 2 testing 1 2 I don't trust him I don't trust it. There's a false God in here. I just know it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so so there would be gods. Gods over microphones. Gods over <laughs> different areas of life. No, gods over weather, goddess of love. And, and again, we might not worship those kinds of gods, but the stuff we worship today, it's, it's a little more sophisticated, right? Like, like money, material possessions, image, looks, your favorite sport, your career, a hobby. I mean, it could be something as innocent and as seemingly good as idolizing your children, right? Making your children an idol. You say, well, how in the world could I make my children a false god? Well, anytime you elevate something into the rightful place of the one true God, anytime you put something on the throne of your life beside God himself, that is idolatry. Even something as good and as important as as your children. So the question I would ask of you today is this. Identify what are the false gods you serve? Like, what are the false gods that you put ahead of the one true God? Anything in your life that, if you're honest, yeah, my priority seems to be a little bit more there than it is with God. Now, I'll tell you an idol that has popped up in my life. I'm not proud of this, but it's definitely reared its head from time to time. In different seasons of my life, believe it or not, I have made the church, the ministry, what I do, the number one most important thing in my life. And obviously, I am called to serve the church. It's what I'm here to do. But looking back, I noticed there were times in my life where that actually became the most important thing, more than God himself. I would do it in the name of God, but it became a God. Feed the church, grow the church, serve the church. Like, even something like that can become an idol. It has in my past. So think about it. What is it for you? Family is good, and we should love our spouses. We should love our children. But the truth is, I've seen many parents, especially moms, make an idol out of their children. Another false God that I see in many people is the promise of future security. Like, if I can just save enough then one day, someday in the future, I'll have this secure thing, and I won't need anything at all. That's the false god of future security. Like, be honest. What are some of the false gods that you have elevated into the place of the true God? The sin of idolatry. And sure, we may be monotheistic in our beliefs, meaning we believe in one true God. But in practice, we can be polytheistic, meaning that we actually worship and serve many little g-gods. And so Elijah steps into this polytheistic culture, and he makes a very strong prophetic statement. And I can actually summarize this whole story, this whole message in one simple sentence. He's looking at these people going back and forth and back and forth. And he says, with all the authority of God, people, it's time to quit wavering. It's time to quit wavering. Quit wavering between the gods. Quit being double-minded. Like, quit going back and forth. And what Elijah does is he basically says, We're gonna have a good old fashioned showdown here. All right, watch what he says to the king. Now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Can we just pause here for a moment and say that had to be one big old honking table, right? my goodness. So, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So, Elijah steps in and says, how long are you going to keep doing this? Back and forth and back and forth. If God is God, Sell out, go for it. Follow him. But if Baal is gone, then go for it. Just admit it. That's your God. Follow him. And I can assure you, I guarantee you that if Elijah were alive today, he would say the same thing to us. Like, quit wavering. I mean, if you want God on your side, act like it. You know, a lot of Christians, they live like, God, keep me out of hell, get me into heaven, but I I still want to do whatever I want to do, and I want you to bless me in that. Like that, sorry, it it doesn't work that way, okay? Oh Lord, you know, just hear my prayers and bless me and give me all the good stuff, but I don't really want to follow your commands. And Elijah would say, quit wavering, like quit being the Christian on Sunday, the heathen on Monday, quit wanting all the benefits, but not being willing to sacrifice. Just quit wavering. And make no mistake about it. We can be Christians right? We can be believers and not be following Jesus. You can be a Christian and not be following Jesus. Next month, we're going to do an entire series talking about the fact that the reason God called you to himself was to be a follower, was to be what the Bible says, a disciple, a learner of Jesus, someone who does life with God, not simply a believer. Yes, believing in Jesus, that's the only thing that gets you into heaven by faith alone, right? Right? We believe in Jesus. We're saved from hell. We get into heaven. But if you want God's blessings, you've got to follow. You've got to be a disciple. You've got to do life with God. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. So take a side. You know, I think if we were to summarize Elijah's message to us today, if we're going to translate that into our world today, I don't think Elijah would say to us, hey, if Baal's got what you want, then go follow Baal. Because most people would say, Baal who, Right? But here's what I do think Elijah would say. If you're little G God, you're false God, you're idol, whatever it is, if that's really the most important thing to you, then why not just go for it? Just, just go there. Just sell out to that. In other words, if material possessions and accumulating stuff really is the most important thing, then don't dabble in that, right? Get everything you can. Get into massive debt, right? Steal if you have to, Okay. And I'm not even joking on me, because if that truly is the highest priority, that would justify stealing or just about anything else. And whatever you do, don't give. Like, don't be generous to people, because that would then diminish your ultimate goal of accumulating. Like, if material possessions, if that's your God, then then go for it. But quit, quit wavering. If image, if that's truly your God, then don't just dabble around. Like, go to the gym three hours a day, seven days a week, right? Sell out for that. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm there, baby. I am there. You know, tan it, tweak it, tat it, uh, (laughs) tuck it, puff it, lift it, shape it, curl it, twist it, color, whatever you got to (laughs) do. Like, go all in. Go to the gym. And by the way, (laughs) ignore the fact that you're going to get old and and you're going to die someday. Okay, don't even think about that. That would kind of disqualify the God of appearance. but I mean, you need new clothes, man, go. You go get those. I mean, if image is it, then then sell out. You know, I could go on and on. Sexual pleasure, for some people, that's really what they would put first. Go for it. You know, if that's truly it. But make no mistake about it. Hear me on this. Don't doubt for a minute that any one of these things you choose will become an idol, like Baal or Asherah. But that is exactly what Elijah is saying here. I mean, whatever it is that you're you're after, if you really think that's God, if that's really the priority, then then go for it. But he's saying, make a decision. Quit wavering. Make a decision about who you're going to serve, who you're going to follow. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if that little g idol, whatever it is, is God, follow it. But don't fake serve God. You're just playing games there. Like, figure out who it is. I mean, you should really be sold out for whatever you think is the most important. If you believe Jesus, the Son of God, truly is the one true God, then quit wavering. Give Him all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, don't just claim Him and then live like He doesn't exist. Serve Him. And can I just say, I am preaching it myself here as well, by the way, I mean, there are times, and there have been times, even this week, that I've kind of felt the power of Elijah looking directly at me and saying, quit wavering, Brian. Quit wavering. Why? Because we're all in danger of having other areas of our lives take that place of God. Be little g-gods, idols. So what does Elijah do? Well, he schedules a showdown, and he says, okay, get two bowls here, one for you, one for me. We're going to build a couple of altars. We're going to sacrifice these bulls, And you're going to call out to your God, and I'm going to call out to my God. And let's see who is really God. Let's pick up the story, see what happens. In verse 24, Elijah says, Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by, say it with me, fire. the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. What you say is good. Now, here's what all the people were thinking. All the people, you know what they were thinking? They're thinking, you idiot. Like, you don't know who you're dealing with here. We're going to call on Baal, the sun god, you know, sun, hot, fire. Like, you're going to get smoked, silly prophet. Well, let's read on. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. I I did a little research on this dance and and I would actually do it for you, but then you probably wouldn't come back. So I just... (laughs) Let's just say it was this crazy, frenetic kind of dancing. I and mean, we're talking full body, jumping up and down, twisting around. I mean, the whole bit. It was shouts of joy and shrieking to their false gods, and nothing happened. Now, nobody dances like that. Like Nobody just loses control like that today, do they? No, no. Except maybe at a concert when your favorite singer is about to come out on stage. Or, I don't know, maybe a sporting event. okay. I get a little fired up at sporting events. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> okay. This is the only time I've been in Minnesota. They won the game. It was incredible. Um, you know, I made the decision. I, we, we were there like three hours early, and I'm like, let's go, let's go, and I'm all pumped up. I, I made the decision not to take my shirt off and paint my belly, okay? It's not, not quite big enough for that yet. I'm working on it, though. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. but. You know, I am shouting, and I'm cheering, and I'm sure doing all kinds of ecstatic utterances up in the stands. I mean, it was incredible. They were like 13-point underdogs, and they won the game. It was amazing. Incredible time. So they're going crazy here, okay? They're shouting. They're dancing. They're saying, Baal, send fire, bail, send fire, and nothing happens. <laughs> now, I love this. Elijah starts jacking with them, okay? And I mean, this is truly funny here. This man of God, he's messing with them. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Maybe he can't hear you, you know. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or or busy or traveling. (laughs) Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Yeah, Elijah's jacking with him. I know he's a God, so, so maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's taking a little siesta, like he's had his milk and cookies. He's just taking a little afternoon nap. And here comes Elijah's best taunt. When he says maybe he's busy, and you can look this up if you don't believe me, but I did go to seminary, okay? The little translation there is maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's relieving himself. So picture this. You've got this man of God shouting, hey, Come on, shout louder, shout louder. And nothing is happening. You know, maybe he's in deep thought. Maybe he's on the john. Maybe he needs to put that newspaper down. Like, what's going on? I don't know. And if you read on, the people they do, they shout louder, and they dance more, and they go crazier. They even start cutting themselves because that's what they would do. And the Bible says that they shouted, they danced, they went crazy like this all day long. You know, we might not dance all day long for a God named Baal, but a lot of people do a lifelong dance for their counterfeit God, the ones we talked about earlier. Some people pursue and worship and serve their false God that promises but does not deliver their whole life long. So finally, at the end of the day, they have danced, they have shouted, they've cut themselves. Nothing happens. So Elijah does this, 1 Kings eighteen thirty six at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and what did he do? Prayed. He prayed. Didn't shout, didn't dance, didn't have to cut himself to get God's attention. All he had to do was pray. Folks, next week we're going to talk about the power there is in prayer. He prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you, our God, in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. can you see the power and the beauty in those statements? Answer me, O Lord. Show us who you are. Reveal yourself by fire. May we feel the heat of your love so that the hearts of your people will turn back again because they used to know you, they used to walk with you, they used to serve you, they used to worship you, but now these false gods have taken their place, taken your place. Turn their hearts back again. You know, as I read this and as I think about this, I feel a passion for many of you because I know that some of you, you walk with him and, and then one day you walked away. And when you do that, inevitably what happens is some false God or combination of gods get on the throne of your life. And today, God may be trying to reveal himself to you and say, come back, come back to me. Or maybe he has revealed himself to you and he's saying, come on, if you're feeling that conviction right now, turn back to him. He's calling you back. Now, if you know anything about fire, fire is hot, Okay fire is dangerous. Like, I grew up playing with fire. I got in a lot of trouble as a kid playing with fire. You've heard the phrase, you'll burn the house down. Yeah, I literally almost did. And I know I've shared this story with some of you before, but every time I think about fire, I think about this. My friends and I, we used to like to build little fires, but we knew if we did it where our parents could see us, we'd get in trouble. And so we would go into the back corner of our yard behind all the bamboo bushes, okay, And we would just light these little bitty fires. And one day, a a friend of ours introduced us to that little red can in the garage. Yeah, with that magic fluid that he said, man, this stuff, it's so cool. It makes fires bigger and brighter and cooler. And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. So we added a little to the mix, right? Right next to the 10,000 bamboo shoots and the gas lines it ran from that corner of the property all the way into our house. Now, I don't remember much after that, okay? I just know I got the worst scolding, the worst whooping of my life. So, don't play with fire, people, okay? Just don't. I did, and I was actually stupid enough to stand over the fire while I poured the gasoline. Yeah, I was like, watch this, Woohoo! and whoosh, right? I used to have a unibrow, okay, burn that sucker right off. I'm kidding, okay. Today it would burn my little nose here. Sorry. I know it's gross. It happens when you're 50 plus. Anyhow, back there. So let's let's move on. Elijah prays. Elijah prays. Watch what happens in verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Just whoosh. Imagine this lightning rod of fire coming down from heaven. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, and get this: the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Boy, that would be my prayer for our church right here, that we would see God for who He truly is, and all those false gods would just fade away in comparison to the one true God. That our hearts would sell out, turn back to Him. We would say, The Lord, He is God. Not all this other stuff I spend my time chasing. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And some of you may be thinking, Well, well, God's never shown up in my life in that kind of miraculous way, Brian. Okay, maybe not. But, But maybe, just maybe, it's because you've been on the fence. Like you've been wavering, you haven't really committed. I think Elijah would say to us today, he would say to me, Brian, quit wavering. If you commit to him, if you do life with him, he will show up in your life in amazing ways. And once you know God for who he really is, once you get a glimpse of his firepower, then that desire to serve those other false gods will just fade away in comparison to the power, the magnificence of the one true God. Let's pray. Lord, I know this is a a challenging message, but we don't sit around with statues of Baal or Asher in our homes, and yet we can slip into this trap of putting other things on the throne of our lives, other things ahead of you. Right now, would you speak to our hearts, and maybe there's something that you would have for each and every person in this room, some area, something that, if we're honest, it kind of edges you out a little bit. God, we want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're going to stumble, and we're going to fall, and those little false gods, they're going to slip in, and we're not even going to know it, and we're going to have to continue this process of weeding out these idols in our lives. But I pray that we would make a commitment right now, today, to quit wavering. If the Lord is God, then let's follow him. There's nothing greater. There's no better life than the abundant life you promise us, doing life with you. I pray that we would recognize that. Lord, we thank you for your grace that though we stumble and we fall and we mess up, and at times we we are so imperfect, but you are a perfect God, and you are able to heal and forgive, and you are ready. You are ready to show up in our lives in amazing ways, and I believe you want to do things as miraculous, as incredible as you did thousands of years ago in our lives through the Holy Spirit we just have to get to that point where we are willing to allow you to work in us. So, God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace in spite of our stumbling. And we just honor you. And I pray that this week we would, every morning when we wake up, we would say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And live our lives, live our days with you on the throne. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.